The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Monstrous Regiment, featuring a roundtable of Dominion women seeking to honor Jesus Christ in applying God's Word fearlessly and faithfully in all callings and seasons of life, both in and out of the home, reversing the curse and smashing pagan strongholds. everyone. Uh, my name is Becky Robinson, and I'm here with my good friend, Tony Kolb. Um, we are the Monstrous Regiment, and today we are going to be talking about exposing the MO of the predator and talking about um, basically how do you recognize a predator, what does that look like, uh, recognizing victims, um, and why that is important. Yes. Yep. Um, and I wanted to take a moment to just... Um, mentioned that I feel like a lot of people won't even want to listen to the podcast once they see the title. Um, and I think part of that reason is because we've allowed um, fear to dictate us. Um, and sometimes that can look like one of two things. Either we let fear dictate us to the point that we're obsessed about and, and fearful of everything, things that we should heed things that um, that we shouldn't, we're just fearful of everything. Or um, we just choose to ignore everything, uh, the inconsequential and um, the things that should be heated. Um, because we, we were, we're afraid, ignorance is bliss. And so honestly, those two things are very selfish and we become, a, a hazard or like a potential victim or we pass on our fear to other people and those and those um that those two things are are not good that that's just selfish so we need to allow the natural gift of fear to um, push us to educate ourselves and, and be responsible and empowered and so one of those things um looks like being educated on what a predator looks like, what his modus operandi is, and the behavior of, of victims. So some people might still act or ask, um, like, well, why are you concentrating on the tactics of predators? Like, isn't that kind of weird? Like, why, why would you research that? And I think um, a perfect answer is given by Jimmy Hinton in his article about his pedophile father. And he says, until we start teaching people the specific techniques abusers use to keep others blind, we will never be able to prevent abuse effectively. And he, his article is called Why Sexual Abuse Goes Unnoticed. And that's at JimmyHenton.org. So we are responsible in preventing abuse. Um, I think a lot of people probably know about Larry Nassar and his abuse of more than 200 women and children. Um, I think Les might realize that Larry Nassar was actually in the same room um, as these children's parents. And we ask, how? Like, how, how in the world did he um, get by with all that abuse when the parents were standing right there? And I believe the answer is because we fail to recognize abuse. We fail to recognize the predator. 
um, we're the ones that are failing. Um, we're the ones that are falling for their show. We're the ones that are guilty um, of failing to stand in opposition of these people. We're the ones failing to recognize the abuse. And really, it's us that the predators are studying. They're studying our behavior. Um, and that's how they know that we're easy to fool and manipulate. And so we need to start looking at how they act. Um, Mr. Hinton's father wrote his son from jail the following words. The one thing that always surprised me is how easy it was to fool adults. Oftentimes, after abusing kids right in front of them, I had to pinch myself and ask, are these adults really this stupid? And again, that's jimmyhinton.org. It's a really this man. Quote. That's a gross, that's a very blatant thing to say. I guess he was caught. Yeah. Didn't, it didn't bother him anymore, but it's very surprising to hear abusers talk like abusers and use the word abuse. That's interesting to me. Yeah. He, he obviously realized what he had done and he was just being blunt and he was telling his son, yeah, this is, this is what I did. Yeah. I think when you think about abusers, I think that a lot of us, especially those of us who uh, were blessed enough to, to be in a safe home or to have safe places growing up, which is honestly more rare these days than not. Um, right. We expect predators to look like villains, you know, we want them to have mm -hmm. like a look um, mm -hmm. or something that's obvious. And we don't expect it to be, even after all the things that we've experienced and seen, we don't expect it to be the pastor, the youth pastor, the uncle, the right. babysitter, you know, they're just, yeah. you know, that's the insidious part of that evil is that they're just people. They're just yeah. people in everyday life. And every time something like this happens, people always ask those questions of how, you know, how did you not know? Why didn't you see it? Why weren't you paying attention? And so I think it is, that's why this is important is recognizing those things in normal yeah. people. Because You're right. We've, we've stereotyped what a predator looks like. And we are thinking, you know, the, the creepy looking people um, in our minds, what we consider creepy when often they're like Larry Nassar, they're the doctor. Right. Or, like you said, the pastor. Um, People in, like, safe positions. Right. Yes. Uh, there's a tweeter. His name is Wade Mullen. And he recently wrote about predators. And he said, the flattery, the testing of boundaries, the objectification, the abuse, the denial of intention, the appeal to cultural norms, the justifications are all too common within a culture that enables and overlooks abusers and so we have to ask ourselves why aren't there any boundaries and that's really honestly our fault for not recognizing the tactics of predators um, one tactic we find with most abusers is that of taking advantage over their victims helplessness and supposed weakness um, it's really common with authorities like you were talking about so like the father the coach the pastor the doctor the grandpa um they they will take advantage over helplessness um a friend recently told me a story about how her neighbor was always flattering her kids um always trying to get them to come play in his yard um play on his swing set all this stuff and who he really talked to 
um, who he really pointed all of his flattery towards was her youngest child who um, also had some um, handicaps and he went after her. Um, and uh, thankfully they're no longer in that situation. But the point is he went after the youngest and the most helpless and that's really common. Right. Um, yeah, uh, women are often more vulnerable um, than men. And so women throughout history have been typecasted um, as intellectually, morally, and emotionally weak, which isn't true. But the ancient philosophers proved this by... Sh go, go ahead, did you say something? No, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay, it's, really, it's hard because sometimes my own voice comes back to me and I think you're talking. And yeah. I think I'm talking over you. Yeah, no, you're... Oh. Okay. So the ancient philosophers proved this by showing women's inferior physical strength compared to their own brawn and testosterone. Right. The same arguments are now used in the spiritual sphere, claiming women are weaker and therefore are more easily deceived um, and that they must be kept silent and they can have no role in leadership. And this is because the ultimate predator abuser hates the strength of image bearers of God and knows quite well that women actually make mighty warriors, um, which reminds me of Kyle Stevens. She was a victim of Larry Nassar, and in court, she told him, uh, perhaps you have figured it out by now, but little girls don't stay little forever. They grow into strong women that return to destroy your world. <clears throat> I love um, watching her um, in court just because she had learned that she actually wasn't weak, even though her abuser had told her this from the age of five years old. Yeah. Um, and she realized she did have a voice, um, that she could use it in a powerful way. But unfortunately, many victims continue to believe their abuser's lies, that they're worthless and weak and helpless. Yeah, and they usually, I think you are right, that they go for the most vulnerable. And even among the vulnerable class, they go for um, the person or the people that seem more quiet and more reserved um, mm -hmm. and softer because they want people who won't speak up and who aren't going to be um, resilient or, or uh, defend themselves because they're going to be more gentle. Like even predators on the street when they're looking for a woman they look for somebody who's not looking them back in the eye who's looking down a lot who's who's not aggressive um, right so you see that a lot and that's that's why people go after children and women is because yep. they perceive them as weaker and mm -hmm. um you know yes that's the way that it is yes um kyle stevens uh, she actually said Sexual abuse is hardly limited to Nassar. One in nine girls and one in 53 boys will experience such abuse by their 18th birthday. I find the way we ignore or sugarcoat our most vile issues to be offensive and a big part of our problem. Our silence and inaction create a culture where predators can thrive. Yes. Yeah, so that's like you said, it's the it's the little people or the people that look down. It's the people that you know the little girls or the boys um, who won't speak up for themselves. Um, in a book 
called Gift of Fear by Gavin De Becker. Um, he gives a list of predictable behaviors of predators so that we can learn to recognize them and survive them. Um, so I don't, I'm curious um, if any of our listeners could possibly recognize some of this behavior from experiences that they've had. One tactic um, is what he calls forced teaming. And it's something that many humans do to show cordial camaraderie. But many predators apply this to women in a vulnerable position in order to gain rapport and trust. And normally, the predator will find something that both he and his victim have in common, a mutual circumstance or a common predicament, something that they can be partners in. So um, they'll, they'll um, use that in, to take advantage over that person. Right. Um, Mr. Becker also talks about charm and niceness. He explains that many of his clients that have been raped start their story about their predator being very nice. <laughs> being nice does not prove good intent. Um, and like you said, we, we kind of picture predators being a certain way and we're not on the alert um, for authorities in our life or you know, the nice doctor or that kind of type of thing. Yes. Um, yeah. Kyle Stevens, abuser, started by playing hide and seek with her. Um, another woman's rape story began when a stranger offered to help her with groceries, and when she refused his help, he continued to be persistent. Um, predators do not only look and, look and act mean. That's a misconception. Sometimes they are the nicest of people. Um, another <clears throat> another tactic is too many details. This is part of their magical show. They are distracting you with inconsequential information to mask their actions. It's kind of the same thing as the saying, you can't see the forest for the trees. This is where the con and every predator actually reveals himself by the very act he is putting on to hide his intentions. So um, he'll he'll come to you and tell his sob story type thing and he'll give you lots and lots of details that are irrelevant. Um, that's actually a red flag. So the list goes on with typecasting, loan sharking, the unsolicited promise and discounting the word no, which is really important. Um, I think something we have to recognize too is that we as human beings are afraid to appear impolite, especially women. Like culturally, we just think that we don't want to be impolite. And so predators know this and will take advantage of it. But if the stranger or the family member, for that matter, is pressing you or they're, they're accusing you of being impolite or rude and they continue to move past your boundary, it's, it's really them that are being rude. They're the ones being rude. Right. Um, a good man will be sorry or embarrassed or leave if you tell him, hey, stop, you're making me uncomfortable. Um, but the predator will continue to press, to press, to pressure you and to accuse you. Um, and I, I think we've all probably experienced something of that. Um, so I also wanted to shed light on the victim's mindset. Um, I don't know if you want to share anything, Becky. 
Um, yeah, just about because um, a lot of times I know people will say that, um, like they they look down on the word victim and they think that um, everyone that is always paranoid and thinking that there's people coming after them are wrong. And um, I don't know if you want to share anything. Um, yeah, I think that it's an important thing to talk about because a lot of people do think about like victim mentality. What does victim mentality mean? And they think that somebody who has been victimized or allegedly been victimized is making themselves a victim by being vulnerable or being open about what they've experienced or in being wary of future predators. Um, but there's so much, and we could probably do a whole episode just about what a victim's mentality is like. Um, like a true, somebody who has been victimized, not somebody who perpetually lives as the victim, but somebody who's been assaulted or, or been abused um, and what that feels like to them. And I've seen a lot of it, um, you know, in my own family or friends or people I love or people you read about and stories that come up in the news. Sorry, we got interrupted for a brief minute by technical difficulties. Um, <laughs> Tony is cursed. <laughs> yep. Uh, by which, so. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about victim <laughs> mindset, uh, what it's like to be a victim. Because I think a lot of people have questions uh, whenever someone is abused from the outside where they ask questions like, well, why didn't they come forward? Why didn't they tell someone? Um, why didn't they stop it? Because they, they could technically run away, call the cops, tell their parents. Um, and putting aside the fact that a lot of these people do those things uh, and nobody listens to them. Aside from that, uh, I think a lot, I know a lot of victims inside of the paradigm of being abused um, don't know what's happening to them or they don't feel sane. And you, you talk to people who have been victimized and once they're on the outside of it or on the other side of it, um, they will tell you, you know, it, it seems crazy now, but in the moment, it didn't. In the moment, it was the only real thing. And that's one of the things that predators do is isolate their victims away from their close friends and their family. Um, and they make, they gaslight you and they, they mess with you and they make you feel like you are crazy. If you, if you, if you start to recognize it and you say something, um, they make you feel like you're going crazy. And you're being silly. Mm -hmm. um, I just had a conversation with um, a woman who uh, I'm a hairstylist and I was doing her hair and, you know, I'm washing her hair and we're talking and she was talking about having been in an abusive marriage and how it wasn't until she was out that she recognized a lot of the things that were happening to her, even though now they seem obvious. And mm -hmm. that's consistent, I think, across the board for victims. Like, I didn't know this was happening because inside of that, time period you feel very very alone and you don't know what's real and that it's it's a very very scary um lonely place to be where whether yeah. you're a child a lot of children it starts when they're very young and they don't know any better and they don't know what's happening to them um but even as an adult inside of an abusive relationship or um being held captive by an abuser in whatever context you just don't it's like being in prison. You don't know what's real. You don't know yeah. how to reach out. So crazy. And for the ones that do reach out, a lot of people don't believe them. And it makes them, it compounds that isolation right. and that feeling of being, you know, a lot of Nasser's victims did tell their parents and their parents didn't believe them, you know? 
or women yeah. do come forward and they talk about what's happened to them and everybody has horrible things to say about it. And, you know, it's just a very, very isolating thing. So I think that you have to be really, really sensitive and compassionate about what it's like to be a victim and to be so alone and to yeah. not know up from down, you know, it's, yeah. it's a scary thing. We have to remember that we are healthy. We have a healthy mind. And so we, with a healthy mind can ask, well, why wouldn't the victim say something? Right. But we really can't project our own state of mind on a victim. Right. Right. It's not healthy. They're not in a healthy place. Um, they're being predators are very, very good at choosing the time and the place and the method and they get you alone and they prey on your weaknesses and they make you feel like you are going insane. So you just, right. yeah, like you said, we have a healthy mind and a healthy perspective and we are in safe spots, but they yeah. haven't been. And sometimes it's been their whole life that they haven't been. And right. just imagine what that would be like. It just would be maddening. Yeah. We're coming from a place of security and a sense of worth. And right. they're often, they don't even consider themselves um, to have any rights or to have any value. Right. Yeah. I just, um, this is all in the last week that I've had several conversations that just came up naturally um, where I talked to another woman who's a friend of mine who said that she started to be abused um, by multiple people from different areas of her life around the same time frame. So she's a young child and she started to be abused by her uncle um, who she obviously thought was safe and also by uh, a female babysitter who was a teenager. And so for her, you know, it's two different pockets of her life where she was the vulnerable child and they started to prey on her and she didn't know, you know, she knew in her heart, you know, deep down that it felt wrong, but she trusted mm -hmm. them and it began a whole series of events in her life that uh, were very damaging and, and awful because she didn't know. She just didn't know. She was a child. She was very small and, and you know, she had yeah. no idea. She was already in a bad place and they um, took advantage of her trust and yeah. just imagine what that's like. And especially for multiple spots that she said right. in the conversation, you know, I thought that was love because yeah. my uncle, this yeah. other person who's unrelated to her uncle, I thought that that's what love looked like. So. Right. Yeah. Know. Well, and I think often um, uh, predators will um, lie to, to their victims and tell them that their worth is measured by what they can give to their owner or their abuser or their temper, you know, whatever their, their owner can get out of them. Right. That's where their worth lies. And so a lot of, especially young people fall for that. Yes. Yeah. And they so, just, and, and the shame of that. And sometimes the predator uses the shame as well. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Keep them in, the, in check and in their spot. Right. So it's, it's unfortunate that many want to take away the legitimacy of a victim's abuse because of the seeming free will right. of these victims. Right. But we have to remember that they've been groomed for this process and right. that a lot of these victims have been manipulated and their minds are, are twisted and molded by evil people. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, there's um, a story that was just told to me by um, a foster care worker. And this girl had been beaten um, with a belt and a buckle um, uh, on the belt by her aunt all her childhood. And this 
foster care worker was trying to convince this little girl that that wasn't normal and that that wasn't right. And the little girl was like, well, I, you know, I did something wrong. And the foster care worker was like, that doesn't mean that you deserve to be beaten and scarred with a belt. Um, um, there's also, um, I was just reading about a former prostitute. Her name's Madison Graham. And uh, she just, one of her quotes, um, she said, I, I was Dennis Hoff's personal assistant and publicist for three years. And I was also prostituted in his brothels. In the beginning, I believed the myths about how the women in Hoff's brothels were there by choice and how the women, but not the pimps or Johns, were in control and how they were safer in brothels than on the streets. Slowly, I came to realize nothing was further from the truth. We were all constantly told how lucky we are to work for Hoff and Suzette Cole, how fair and honest they were. It was just like brainwashing. And when you hear this over and over, critical thinking is impaired and you ignore the obvious. You just nod and repeat the lies. So that's exactly what we're talking about. Um, and so we're talking about when, uh, victims being silenced by the predators and victims being um, actually ignorant that they're being abused. And this is why many abusers and rapers and manipulators walk freely in our society. Their victims have failed to recognize the abuse and so have also failed to acknowledge their abusers as anything but an authority in their life. And that's why we have to recognize them. Right. Uh, yeah, I think that's one of the most important parts because you hear a lot of people who they had never heard it before in their life until they were out or they were free. And it was such a, a liberating experience for them to hear other women or children or men say, that's exactly what my predator did to me. And it's it, a lot of times is, is the same figures, the authority figures, um, you know, uncles, dads, pastors. And it's almost like a playbook of, of how to, how to abuse people, you know, and yeah. uh, talking to those people and, and hearing their shock and relief at, how many other people were in those same situations because they were so isolated. They had no idea. They had no idea what was going on. And then they hear later on, oh my gosh, all these other people have been through the exact thing that I've been through. And it's a really, yeah. it's a really, it's important to talk about so that people in those situations can be like, can start to see, you know, slowly those behaviors and, and before to help them get out of it so that they're not having a, realize it only in retrospect, you know? Right. Yeah. Which is a, a perfect example of that is Rachel Jeffs. She was the daughter of polygamous cult leader Warren Jeffs. Um, and she said it took her a long time to understand just how wrong her family situation was. Um, I have a quote here and she says, for a long time, he made me feel like it was me, that I was bad, that it was my fault. So now to come out and realize how bad it really was and to find out that he could be put in jail for things he did to me. Wow. If I'd have known that as a child, that would have given me so much strength and made me feel like I should tell or that I'm not the bad person. To actually come out and have people support me, is it's been really healing for me. Yeah. And can I still hear you, Becky? Okay, I can. <laughs> 
Um, I also had a daycare employee tell me that she could always tell who the foster kids were um, at, at the daycare. Not to say that foster care in and of itself is a bad thing, um, but often foster care children have been abused in some way. And uh, she was just talking about how they were always the ones that were well-versed in sexual terms um, that she told of one child who would continually draw pictures of people having sex um, or a little girl who came to her and, and told her that her older sister was taking a pencil and inserting it in her private parts. And, um, the employee, um, daycare employee, realized that both children were from the foster care system and they were only four and six years old. And um, I think that it's actually way more common than, than we realize, that there, there are little people out there that are experiencing this by their authorities and they think it's normal. Yes. Yeah, it's it's far more prevalent than I ever realized before growing up. And it starts to be scary, the number of people that you're talking to on a day-to-day basis that are like, oh, yeah, that happened to me. That happened right. to me when I was a child. And it's it's almost blasé the way they say it, you know. Yeah. I've had yeah. that happen multiple times where someone said to me, oh, yeah, that happened to me. I didn't, you know, I didn't know that it happened to so many other people. Yeah. And it's, it starts to be scary. Yes. Can't uh, ignore you're right. The other thing is um, shame, like you were talking about. Many victims struggle with shame. Um, many women are told that they were groped because of what they were wearing. Um, there's one incident that I read about where an attacker, who is actually this Baptist counselor um, preacher, blamed the woman attacked because of pretty white dress. Um, Another woman told her story where a man followed her into the bathroom and um, began groping her. And when she cried out, he pushed her and said, look what you made me do. Um, it's a typical tactic of predators to blame the victim. So um, also many that escape those situations are living in fear. I know a young person who lives in hiding, um, even as an adult, because she's fearful that her father might find her and force her to return. Um, one young woman told me that her father who raped her um, had told her that fornicators go to hell and you're now a fornicator, and she believed him. Right. Um, another victim of abuse wrote to me and said, when you are being abused, even just emotionally, you feel like the abuser holds so much power in the world, like they control how other people see you. But when someone pokes a little hole in that illusion, it can't help. And so we need to be willing to be those people that are poking holes in, the, in those illusions. Yes. So what we actually should be asking is, why are we silent? Right. Why is the church silent? The people who know better, the healthy, safe minds, that's us. Why aren't we saying anything? Right. And that, unfortunately, it's the Christians that are sending victims back to their abusers. Right. It's Christians who are predators because, God forbid, a child of God rebel. Sorry, that is pure 
ignorance. Right. And it's dangerous ignorance on our parts. Um, because rebellion is only as witchcraft when we rebel against God. So we have to use some common sense. And um, do we really think that God expects us to let other fellow human beings treat us like garbage? Do we really think God sanctions tyrannical um, pastoral authority? Do we really be able to insult their wives, punch holes in walls because they're the head of the home? Right. And do we really think that the father is in godly character when he pulls his daughter's hair or talks down to them or showers with them because they're the patriarch? And I'm not making any of that up. That These are examples that real examples. People have told me that this has happened and, and they've experienced this. And I know you too, Becky, have heard a lot of different people because you're a safe person to go to where they'll tell you what's happened to them. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things like I talked about before where um, I was lucky enough to have parents that loved me and live in a safe home. And um, that was wonderful. And so I didn't, I didn't know that this was true. And so a lot of Christians that you talk to are, are just ignorant. And they don't know that this is happening, but that's why we exist to, to poke a hole in that illusion, to tell people that this is happening. Um, and more than that, uh, you know, as I've started to talk about it, a scary number of people push back against that. Just us, yeah. you know, raising our voice for the voiceless saying, this is happening. How can we help our brothers and sisters? People push back against it with things like, you know, what are they wearing or what are they, what did they do to cause this? And, um, I think it's because the church needs to protect themselves from exposure, mm -hmm. even though judgment of God begins in the house of God. You know, they, mm -hmm. they want to protect a lot of things, pride and, and mm -hmm. their own little gods and things like that. Yeah. Um, so it's just about smashing those idols and, and tearing all, tearing the veil off yeah. people's eyes because mm -hmm. this is, this is really happening and, and it's time to start talking about it. Yes. Listening, listening. Yeah, listening for sure. So we we ourselves have to refuse to be a victim. We have to believe that we're valuable and that we have worth, um, and that we have a right to speak out. Yes. That an infringement on our boundaries is inappropriate and it's inexcusable, and it will be corrected by us. So we need to trust our our intuition yeah. and stand up for our own selves. But we also have to learn to recognize dangerous situations. And potential predators, because we're not the only potential victim. There, are, there are other people that we're responsible for, and we have to recognize victims and be bold in standing up for them. Um, and something that Kyle Stevens, the victim of Larry Nassar, was talking about, she was saying that we should take every report seriously. So when someone comes to us and says, "This happened to me," you shouldn't discredit that. You should look into it. You should support them. You should help them figure it out. Um, there's too many children out there who have been hurt and were never taken seriously when they went to someone. Yes. So. And I would add, I know we're almost out of time. Um, I would add quickly that I know that, that some of the default reactions to things like this where we say, okay, let's talk about what predators look like, what victims look like. How do we begin to correct this or how do we begin to help people heal? Um, so it is important to talk about what do, pre what do predators look like? And that's what we've talked about today. 
Um, we are not saying anytime you see someone that has these red flags or that concerns you or you feel it in your gut or you see something, we are not saying those people should be instantly accused or um, no. taken to court or whatever. We're not talking about that. We're talking about just recognizing things and just like mm-hmm. you said, listening. There is never, ever going to be harm done by listening to somebody who has come to you and, and shared with you something that has happened to them ever always listen always always soften your heart and and love them in the way that christ would love them and um do due diligence no matter what every time especially with the weaker vessels but always and there yeah. really can be no harm in that ever so off we're not saying um we're just talking about awareness and, and right being listened yes so we we educate ourselves. We prepare ourselves. We should know when the right time um, to just listen or what time we should be involving the police and that type of thing. And right. um, just letting love cast out any ungodly fear. And yeah. Being strong. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. We got to close up. But I would close this up by saying um, if you are watching this and, and you need to talk to somebody definitely approach one of us um my name is becky i'm rebecca robinson on facebook you can always message me and talk to me um we're here to listen and love on you um and for the christians who are watching and and their observers this is just it's time to start opening our eyes and ears yeah um thank you tony for making time to do this and doing all the research and um i know it's a big topic and we could probably talk about it for a lot longer but um we really appreciate it Thank you for listening to The Monstrous Regiment. We hope this podcast inspires and equips you to go and exercise dominion for Christ's kingdom. Terrible as an army with banners. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.